Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth. Thank you so much for joining today. God loves you, and I know He has great things in store for your life. Well, today we're going to continue looking in the Word of God at the phrase, Verily, Verily. Like we've seen before, there's 25 of these passages where Jesus used the phrase, Verily, Verily. And we're going to be looking at the eighth passage today. We're going to be passage number eight. We're going to be in John chapter six. Now, before we read our passage, let's give a little background. What got us up to where we're at right now? So in the first part of John chapter six, a very large crowd was following Jesus. The scripture says that there were 5,000 men present. And then it also says that there were women and children there. Doesn't say how many, but it does say that they were there. So we know there are over 5,000 people present here. Jesus was teaching and healing everyone who was sick. So he was sharing from the heart of God. Like we've seen before, Jesus said only what he heard the Father say. He only ever did what he saw the Father do. So he's demonstrating the heart of God to this crowd. And then after he was through teaching and through ministering to the sick, he had compassion on the people because they hadn't eaten anything and they were a good distance away from where they could get food. It wasn't like it is today where there's just a Walmart down the street. They had to travel a little ways from where they were to get something to eat. But there was a boy there who had brought himself some lunch. He had brought five loaves of bread and two small fish. Jesus used this small amount of food, just this sack lunch basically, to feed the entire crowd of over 5,000 people. And then not only did he feed everybody, they ate everything that they wanted. They were completely full and they picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. This is amazing. I think it's safe to say this is a miracle. I don't care who you are. You take a look at this. You have to realize this is a miracle. This is what God can do. This is how powerful he is. And this is the power of compassion. This was motivated by Jesus having compassion on the people demonstrating his love for the people. Then, after all of this was done, Jesus dismissed the crowd, and then he traveled across the lake to the other side of the lake without the people knowing about it. They, they didn't know that he had left. They were all still camped out right there where he had fed them. So this is where we pick it up. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. So when they realized that he wasn't around anymore, he had disappeared, they realized what had happened, and so they jumped in boats and went across the lake to this next town of Capernaum. Verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? In other words, when did you get here? 
when did you leave? We didn't even know that you left. Verse 26. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So notice what Jesus says here. He calls them out. They're pretending to be innocent, and then he calls them out and says, listen, you're not following me because of the miracles that I did. You're following me because I fed you yesterday. And then he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth. In other words, the natural food. All natural food is going to disappear eventually. Don't, don't work for that. Don't strive for that. Don't focus on that. Rather, focus on the meat or the spiritual food that endures unto everlasting life. Focus on the things that the Son of Man will give to you. That is Jesus. What is He giving? What does He have to offer? That's what we should be focused on. Not the natural things, not things looking to fill our own belly, so to speak, or that we can focus on in the natural. Rather, we should be focused on the things of God. That's where our primary focus should be. And then notice here, they said in verse 28, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? I have a picture that they're still thinking about the loaves and fish. They're still thinking about the free meal that they got the day before. And they're saying, well, okay, what can we do to work the works of God? Obviously, that was a miracle. You can't do that on your own, so God must have done that. So uh, how do we make that happen again? If you're not going to do it again, how can we make it happen? And then Jesus, again, gently adjusts their thinking and says, this is the work of God. Believe on Jesus. That's the work of God. That's what you should be thinking about and focusing on. So like I said, these people came after Jesus simply because he had fed them. They weren't following him because they loved him. They followed him because they wanted another meal like before. And then Jesus told them that they shouldn't be so focused on natural things. Rather, they should believe on him. They should put their faith in the Lord and pursue him for who he is. Not for what he can do for us, but for who he is. There's people like this. I... I don't know if you know any people like this. Hopefully you're not one of these people. But there are people who just pursue someone and try and get into a relationship with someone because of what they can give them. How this person can be benefited 
by being in a relationship with this other person. Where I'm from, we call those people moochers. And it's not good. You don't want to be a moocher. You don't want to be a leech on somebody else, just sucking everything you can out of them. If you've ever had this happen to you, you know it's not fun to have somebody just hanging on to you and following you around and trying to be all buddy-buddy with you just simply because they think they can get something from you. Well, just like we don't like it, God doesn't like it either. We shouldn't be seeking after the Lord, trying to win His approval so that we can get something from Him. We should be pursuing God out of a heart of love for Him. We should pursue Him for who He is, not for what He can do for us. Of course, God is all-powerful, and He is our Heavenly Father, and He does take good care of us. But we should follow Him because we love Him. It's all about the motivation of the heart. Let's look over at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is teaching here again, and he says, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, and I'm reading out of the New King James. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus is saying here that we shouldn't be worried and uptight and stressed and entirely focused on all these natural things. What do we need to live this life? Food, clothing, focused on these things, worried about these things. How is this going to happen? How are we going to make our ends meet? He says, don't worry about that. Don't be stressed out about that. And he says, isn't there more to life than food? And isn't there more to the body than just clothes? Yes, food is important. Clothes are important. But there's more to life than that. And there's more to the body than just clothes. And then he gives us an illustration. He says, look at the birds. Do they plant crops? Do they harvest crops? Do they gather everything up they have into barns or storage facilities? No, they don't do any of that. And yet, God feeds them. And notice he says, he refers to God as our Heavenly Father. Our Father takes care of the birds. He feeds them every day. There's billions and billions of birds on the face of the earth right now, and every one of them is eating. They're not starving. God provides for them. God feeds them himself personally. 
And then Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? We, as children of God, are much more important than the birds, and yet God feeds the birds every day. He provides for them everything they need every single day. So will God not take care of us, his own children? We're much more important to him than the birds are. Jesus goes on in verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? You know, some people might say, oh, I'm too short. Well, if you're worried about that, does that ever make you taller? Or vice versa, someone might be worried that they're too tall. Well, you can worry all day long and you're not going to shrink any. Another version even says, can worrying add one day to your life? No, as a matter of fact, studies show that worrying can shorten your life. If you live stressed out and frustrated and uptight all the time, that can even cause problems in your physical body. We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to fret and be anxious. And besides that, Jesus is saying here, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Does worrying ever do any good? Does it ever really ever accomplish anything? All it ever does is it just makes us stressed out. It makes us frustrated and uptight. It doesn't ever accomplish anything. But putting our faith in God does accomplish things. That's how we see results, is by putting our faith and our trust in God and taking Him at His word. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? First he says, look at the birds. See how God provides for them. Then he says, look at the flowers. Look at the plants. Look at the wildlife around you. Does God take care of tiny little details like that that really are as insignificant as here today and gone tomorrow? If you ever mow your yard, you know that you cut the grass and the part that you cut off, it will die. And if it's a hot day, like summers are where I'm from in southern Missouri, it can wither and die in a day. You cut it off and the next day, it's pretty dry. And yet, God takes such careful care. He puts so much detail into each blade of grass, into each flower. And he says, even Solomon, who, by the way, was the richest king that ever lived, Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of those flowers. 
Now we know that Solomon had to have been a pretty snappy dresser. And yet, the flowers outpaced him. The flowers are designed by God himself. And so if God takes such care of little flowers, of grass that disappears in just a few days, how much more will he clothe us, his very own children? Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We're not supposed to worry. In fact, we don't even need to. If we truly trust God and believe Him and are taking Him at His promises, then we don't have to go around biting our nails and wringing our hands saying, Ooh, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? And then notice what he says. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, the Gentiles referred to people without a covenant with God. So if you don't have a covenant with God, then you're the the ones going around saying, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to make these ends meet? Those are people without a covenant with God. But we are God's very own children. If we've accepted Jesus and made him the Lord of our life, then we are the children of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We have been placed into the family of God. We were orphans on our own, but now are we adopted into the family of God. We have a covenant with God. We have a heavenly Father who knows what we need and promises to take care of us no matter what. In Philippians 4, it says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When we put God first, when we put His things first and follow after Him with all of our heart, then He promises anything that we need, He will add it to us. However, the key is to focus on Him not the things. So Jesus is instructing us to not worry about natural things. Now, he's not saying that we shouldn't take care of ourselves or that it's wrong to think about food and clothes. He's telling us that we shouldn't get all wrapped up in those things as if that's all that life consisted of. Once again, there's more to life than food. There's more to life than clothes. So don't get all wrapped up and focused on that, making that the primary focus of your life. Rather, 
we should be focused on God and His things, making Him the primary focus of our life. And again, doing it from a heart of love for Him. Proverbs 10, 22 says this, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. The NIV says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. We can either press and struggle, gritting our teeth to make ends meet, or we can trust the Lord and keep Him first place above all else. Jesus said in another verse in Matthew 6, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to serve God or money. You can't be focused on money and serving God at the same time. One of them is going to have the preeminence over the other. You're either going to serve God with all your heart and focus on Him and put Him first above all else, or you're going to be focused on money and material things, things in the natural. Hard work is important. The Lord has a lot to say in His Word about being diligent and not being lazy. It says that the hand of the diligent makes rich but he that deals with a slack hand, or else, in other words, the one who's lazy will become poor. And it also says in the New Testament that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. It's important for us to work hard and to be diligent. But the Lord can do what hard work alone could never accomplish. There are people who work hard all their life and yet never increase. And it could be because they're focused solely on the natural things. But when we focus on the things of God, we focus on Him and our personal relationship with Him. We're seeking His face because of who He is not for what He can do for us, but because of who He is, then He promises to add everything we need to us. And when the Lord adds things to us, we don't have to toil or labor for it. It's a gift. We are His children. He he is our Father. He loves to bless us. Psalm 35 says, The Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. When we are doing well, when we are living life abundantly, that blesses him. He takes pleasure in that. As we close today, I want to look at Psalm 37, beginning with verse 4. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. People look at outward actions. That is, uh, what you do, what you say, how you do things, and so on. 
God, on the other hand, looks at our heart. What is your motivation for doing what you did? Why did you say what you said? Why did you do it that way? That's the heart, motivation. And that's what God looks at. We can't just follow God in order to get our needs met. This is what the people did after Jesus fed them with the five loaves and two fish. We can't just seek God for what he can do for us. Rather, we should follow the Lord and put him first above all else because we delight ourselves in him. Notice again what it says in verse 4, Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. We're not putting the Lord first. We're not seeking him in order to get something from him. We're seeking him because of our great love for him. Our love for him compels us to do what he wants us to do. And then as a result of our heart being for him, that's what opens the door for him to bless us. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Just like a a deer that's thirsty is just searching after water. With everything that it has, it's looking for water. It's longing for that water. Well, in the same way, the psalmist is saying that his soul is longing after the Lord is yearning for the Lord. Psalm 63 says, My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. Another version says, My soul follows hard after you, Lord. This should be our attitude. Lord, I'm following you because you are so great. You are so good. You are my Father, my Heavenly Father, and I love you with all my heart. And because I love you, I want to do what pleases you. I want to put your kingdom first. I want to be a blessing to you and to your people. Show me how I can do this. Give me opportunities to be a blessing to people. And this stems from a heart of love for him and for his people. And then when we do this, this is what opens the door for the Lord to bless us. He promises that he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we don't have room to receive. He says that his blessings will come on us and overtake us. In one verse, it even says that his blessings are pursuing us and his favor surrounds us. These are the truths of God's word. But we close the valve off if we're seeking after the things rather than seeking after the Lord. So I encourage you, Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. 
Let's say with the psalmist, my soul follows hard after you, Lord. My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. Let's delight ourselves in the Lord. And then we put ourselves in a position for God to bless us. And he says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. As for me, I'm not going to deprive God of pleasure anymore. I'm going to delight myself in him. I'm going to seek after him with my whole heart. And I'm going to put him first above all else. And then I'm going to trust him to do what he said he would do to take care of me all the days of my life. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Be sure and follow us and subscribe so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And I encourage you to share this with your friends and your family. Let other people know about it. And I hope you join us again next time as we continue seeing what the Lord has for us in His Word. God bless you and have a blessed, prosperous, victorious day in Jesus' name.